All right, well, welcome to our second Returning to Base podcast. It's from Macquarie Living Legends. Hopefully always from Macquarie Living Legends. So today, we have me, Warlord Kentax. Hi. We have co-host Dom Keck. Hey. We have celebrity guest Shivaxi. Squee! We have Invictus, just as with last week. Yep. And a brand new guest this week is Chezar. Hello. Uh, so I think most of us have had introductions before, but not Chezar. So, Chezar, tell us something about yourself. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm 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 started playing. 2013 or 12, I'm not sure. I played um, before uh, a short time, but not in, in eagerness. And then um, I played the mods the uh, whole dry years <laughs> between the 2013 and now um, where it's getting better with the player base. When I'm um, here, that development started uh, anew. I got a place as a alpha tester. Later, um, I heard um, that we don't uh, we are able to do some of the planned new assets like the regulator and the rommel and because i'm really really like like the, uh, another hovercraft medium hovercraft um in the game i um informed me uh, with some uh, how it could be done and um, tried to learn Blender. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, so I think we'll shift gears a little bit and we'll talk about aircraft first since Domkek has to go fairly soon and I wanted both his and Invictus's input and everyone else's input too if they want. So aircraft. Um, yeah. There's two cases we use them. Pubs and organized play, right? Mm-hmm. The only things that we play this game in, basically. So, uh, Domkek, when do you use an aircraft in pub games? Defensively. So, whenever we have cap points, and I said this before in episode one, but they really are good just for rapidly getting to a point where conflict is occurring and just dropping an alpha strike, bomb load, whatever, on some unfortunate lad to skew it in your team's favor, but when it comes to capping or offensive actions, they're not quite as good. You have long times between gun runs and rearms, and should the enemy focus on you, you of course need to repair and disengage. But, yeah, yeah. Defensive actions where they excel. And Invictus, what do you think? Uh, what do you see uh, aircraft being used for in pubs? Well, it depends on if you mean fixed wing or VTOLs. Oh, I, I mean both. With VTOLs, um, you don't have to worry about not being able to cap, because they can actually cap pretty easy. So especially early in the game, when all you're going to be facing is lights and cheap mediums, VTOL is almost always a good option, because you can get around faster than even a solitaire, and you can pretty much solo anything in the game, except for stuff like... A couple of the hovercraft, and particularly something like the Ares or the Partisan, because they just can't pick up far enough to kill you. Um, smart players will be able to just run under you, and then when you're repositioning, they'll get shots off, and they can also delay you killing them by a long time, to the point to where it's not really worth it to chase them that much. But it's right now the way it's designed, it's almost meant to be dominant early game because VTOLs drop off so much later in the game by about, you know, 20-25 minutes in when they're going to start to drop off. As soon as the 60-tonners come out, you should, probably shouldn't even bother. You should just, if you're going to fly, just get a fixed wing 
because they drop off so hard early game, everyone immediately just looks up and slaughters you because heavy mechs usually have better um, either 360 or just better ability to look up or just flat out more firepower. So when they do look up, um, it just hurts way yeah, more I, than light mechs. I do remember um, in previous versions of the game being able to take a VTOL at any point uh, of the game, and it was useful. But now with the current loadouts, the current flight models, and uh, ability of mechs to look up, and those sorts of things, uh, yeah, I found that if I take a VTOL really late in the game, even to go back cap, uh, it's not, it doesn't work out very well. Uh, I'd, it's, I'd almost rather take a solitaire for back capping. Yeah, we went ahead and just designed it to where it's a trade-off towards much better early game. Um, the plan is to have heavier VTOLs at some point, which you can take later into the game, which will be useful. Uh, but right now, it's kind of heavily designed that way, and part of the reason is the old design was to stay as far up as possible, you know, 900 meters, 800 meters, and just balloon above the target and peck at them. And while you can fire back in that situation, um, it gets much, much harder when they're way high in the sky because everyone around you has to be that much further away from you in order to hit him if he's ballooning over you. Less weapons are going to be useful. Like if you can hit him with the UAC-10 or something, you, nothing's going to go that far except for a select few weapons, and particularly VTOLs that can move side to side as well. It gets really hard to hit him with something like Gauss. So... I decided to change the design and to where they're much more brawly, I guess. Probably most designs, particularly next patch, are only going to go up to about you know, four or five hundred with most of their weapons, and that's going to be it. They're really designed to be close support gunships that will dominate early game and then fall off hard late game. As for fixed wing aircraft, I think we're finally to a point where they're always good. Um, for a long time, the Sparrowhawk was basically a joke. Um, you could never take it and succeed. Um, a couple patches ago when we did the rework, I think some of them um, finally came around to being decent. And then like one patch ago, I redid all the variants. And I think they're finally to a point to where they're useful always. Um, particularly the bomber ones, the one with the two LPLs or the one with the uh, light gauss. Um, if you can get that out early game, um, it will just destroy, particularly cheap mediums, stuff like Camaras um, and Hollanders. The large pulse laser Sparrowhawk can basically eat their back out in two passes. And you, you can make their back crit in one pass and then just finish I, them off with the bomb. Yeah, I noticed the large pulse lasers, they fire more times on aircraft than the ground-mounted ones. Yeah, we decided to, because when they worked identical to how the ground ones work, they were basically just trash because on the ground they're meant to stare at a target and fire multiple times. When you're in a pass, you just don't have time to fire more than once, and particularly um, interfere large pulse lasers, but even clan large pulse lasers. Just firing them once is just going to do nothing. You're going to want to take the normal lasers over them every time. So we just decided to double their fire so they fire four and five bursts rather than two and three and then just double their uh, cooldown time so the DPS is effectively the same the heat limitation is the same it's just they're far more bursty than they would be on the ground and that really helped them to make them you know, not trash before I move on to my next question Shivoxi, uh what have you noticed about aircraft in pub games uh, mainly that I suck at them you know just in general kind of have a a big affinity for sucking at flying an aircraft, I'm sure everyone's aware of. Uh, <laughs> in pub games, I, um, actually, that kind of seems, you know what, to be honest, ver pub games versus competitive games, aircrafts are utilized much more efficiently and effectively in a, in a comp game with people who know what they're doing, and in a pub game, a lot of people don't really seem to know how to fly. <laughs> it's definitely not the easiest thing to do. Uh, I think it's, um, definitely a skill to uh, learn and acquire. I've seen some people who are also amazing at flying and just absolutely kick ass in the air, but um, I don't know. Generally, that's, I kind of think what I've noticed. 
Chev, I have a question for you. Sure. Hey. Yes, I'm what playing Minecraft play... right now. No, sorry, what? Uh, what does the general population think about aircraft? Because I kind of get the feeling everyone just whines about it, and they're probably because they're um, I don't know if I represent the general population. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't hear too much complaining about it. I mean, I suppose there are those who will complain, but I, in pub games, it's like it's rare enough because I. People are so bad at it, you know, that when you get one good pilot, it does become like, ah, oh, shit, we got to take this guy down, you know, just because like he is a very good pilot, and the the aircraft can be harder to uh, hit, especially for maybe the more inexperienced mech players, uh, for, you know, against very good pilots who know how to actually avoid being shot down. But um. I I'm not I don't I can't really I can't really speak for the general population on that I uh, I haven't seen anything like that's caught my eye about people bitching about it or anything though I mean why are you guys thinking about like rebalancing them or something? No, oh, I just get a lot of lip from a select few <laughs> vets about ah, it. Ah, I see. Okay. So Invictus mentioned that there's some good Sparrowhawks, but early game when it comes to fixed wing uh what does clan have to offer what does clan have to offer the sparrowhawk is inner spear right it's the avar yes. that the clanners get exactly i quite like the avar with the single lpl i think it gets a he bomb as well because as invictus mentioned you can do a decent amount of burst and just drop a bomb on a guy and Early game bombs are gonna fuck up everybody, like no matter what they're in. White Mexus can't stand up to it. And it does have quite a bit of maneuverability, as it turns out. And I believe there's also an Avar with a heavy large laser. It has the same role as the LPL. You stare at a guy, you dump your burst. Against the lights, the heavy large laser will absolutely ream people, and unlike ground assets, you can pick and choose your angle of attack and generally fuck off at any point you deem to. I would not take that asset later into the game, strictly because as the game escalates and you rank up, you want to be taking bigger boy assets when you can. It's kind of a responsibility of yours and pubs, but mm. no, no, I quite like just dropping it on like some Osiris dude that's sniping. Because those guys never look up, especially if you're passive in planes. And I, I think, at least from my experience, uh, late in the game, it works a lot better to be doing those high alpha attack runs. Whereas the uh, the early game, you can afford to make many, many passovers and yeah. attacks because there's fewer dedicated anti-aircraft weapons and uh, the things you're attacking are don't have weapons that are really suited for fighting air. Um, and so with, uh, with something like that particular Avar, where it's got a streak four, two ER smalls, and one heavy large laser. And, uh, I mean, HE bomb, I think, or, no, yeah, LG, it's a, doesn't it? It's one laser-guided bomb, so it is a self-darking yeah. one, but, and it has two or three free tons, but it's an attacker, not a bomber, so it cannot buy extra laser-guided bombs. Which sucks, but you have a narc, and while the streak serums don't fire particularly fast, they have excellent turn capability. So, you drop your narc, your heavy lards, you LG, and you just streak serum as you're flying above them, and you'll ream lights as you go over. It's also pretty good if you join late, and you just want to kill, like, one heavy on their team, and just want to suicide run him. Because tickets-wise, it'll be more efficient that you kill him. Rank-wise, you've just shot up so much because you got a solo kill on the fucking clan or inner spear heavy. And it has some tactics that you can use. I enjoy it. I know I was talking to... Uh, I had an argument with Fluffy yesterday about renaming the, um, the air streaks to anti-air streaks or something like that because they do so little against ground. Mm. One thing to consider is how much damage a single serm actually does. Case in point, BA serm is excellent for killing people who are like dark red and black. 
The rate of fire leaves a lot to be desired, but turn capability and your magazine load coupled with the narc and that very in particular just allows you to fire without thanking. Just hold down the fucking button and dump until they die. Uh, so just we've, dump in general. So we've mentioned the um, early game where you take VTOLs and the AVAR and the uh, Sparrowhawk. Uh, mm-hmm. And then late game... We mentioned you to go with high alpha stuff. Uh, yep. What's what sort of high alpha things do you recommend? A favorite of mine is the Gravedigger Visigoth. It has two Yoak tens in ERPPC and two cluster bomb unit. I like that so, one. It is so satisfying to use because you have the range of Yoak tens in the ERPPC or clan, of course. So you can basically just be an air sniper. Though its maneuverability does leave it susceptible to anti-air fighters and such. I actually took out um, Saber uh, yesterday with that. He was flying around in the large pulse laser fighter one and wasn't paying attention to me. And I was coming from up on high and smacked him with those uh, LBX-10s. Not LBX-10s, the UAC-10s. Yeah, it has a damage just to kill fanes no matter what that fane is, but... It's all about getting your nose on them, and if they're aware of you, it's a much different story, sadly. Uh, Invictus, what do you like to pick uh, late game for high alpha stuff? Late game or mid game? Late game. We'll do mid game after this. Late game? Uh, I like both the Xerxes and the Shiva Prime for different reasons. Um, Xerxes Prime is just basically easy mode, but I believe it's the most expensive aircraft in the game? I think so. Um, the Shiva Prime is actually on the cheap end for the assaults, and it's a little quirky, but I actually really like it now that it's an attacker and can actually fly around. It's basically armed like a flying awesome. Um, those are the ones I usually prefer. There are a couple other higher alpha stuff. I think it's really pricey, but the, uh, Visigoth, oh, what is it, the Echo? Um, the Raw, basically, has a UAC-20, a ton of SRMs, and a ton of HE bombs, and a ton of heavy smalls. And that thing can almost destroy a Vulture in one go if you hit everything. Um, it's harder to fly than the cheaper Xerxes, or the Shivas, the attacker ones anyway, because it's a bomber. But it probably has the highest alpha strike if you hit everything, except for a couple select Xerxes, maybe like one Shiva. With the stipulation of late game, I will also have to bring up the topic of the Agent Orns for its floor, the four CB units and six spare tons. A hundred bomblets. Or <laughs> drop the server frames by about 20 for three seconds. <laughs> Alright, so now that we've gone over the uh, late game, how about mid-game? Domkek, what do you go for mid-game? I quite like the solos. There's one with four MPL that is satisfying to use against VTOLs, air, and to a degree ground. I wouldn't like do gun runs all the time, but if I want to eliminate the air presence from the field... It has a satisfying amount of damage, and MPLs just recycle much faster than LPLs in there. Yeah, they do. For gun running... Hmm, there's a Corsair with two PPCs and two HE bombs. You um, can just snapshot oh yeah, yeah, your right. PPCs and immediately pull up, drop your bomb load, and arc it into their cockpit. It's quite nice. Uh, I know that when it comes to Corsairs, there's the lar- uh, medium X pulse laser one that I've seen uh, Saber using uh, to just murder other aircraft. Uh, it's uh, an excellent fighter. Uh, and then for bombing and that sort of thing, I my favorite right now is, or rather not my favorite, but my go-to Corsair is the Corsair Hotel that has one light goss, two LRM-10s, uh, an improved NARC, and... Two 
laser-guided bombs. It is a beast. It's got five free tons, and it can just go forever with those bombs. It's getting changed in the future. It's getting changed in the next update, and actually I'm glad about that because it's kind of evil how it can take out an assault mech by itself. Yeah, the Corsair H has been a point of contention for many of the community that shows speak about it, and honestly, if only the cooled assault, I'm glad it's been changed. Less fans for people to complain about, as less fans I have to listen about. It's really only good as an assassin for like a lone assault or clan heavy. The it PPC. is so vulnerable to anti-air, yeah. The PPC one is overall better. PPC one is much more satisfying to use too, because instead of just narc LG, you actually have to, of course, lead with your PPC after moving and the HG bombs after weird arc. As well, a player, it's just better. The damage potential is so much higher, so much faster. Mm. It's all burst. Um, Invictus, what sort of um, Sulas do you like to take, if ever? To be honest, if I'm trying hard, um, the dual large laser, uh, dual LRM-15 one is the best one of all of them. The Prime is good and competitive, but in pubs it runs a little hot. Um, so the uh, LRM one is probably the best one I've found for mid-game into late-game. I've always had trouble remembering to fire all my volleys with that. I'll usually end up firing five LRMs or whatever, or seven LRMs, whatever it is that when you click click once. Well, you just have to pay attention. Yeah. With the magazine-based missiles on air, I just hold down the button during the gun run. There isn't really a point to hold a magazine, so to speak, in the air. You can afford to rearm whenever, just from speed alone, so might as well dump all your ammunition while you can. We buy it in bulk anyway. <laughs> so the last subject on air for tonight... Well, actually, maybe there's two, two subjects total. Uh, the last one I really want Domkex's input on, if you know about it, <laughs> is uh, um, competitive games. Do you know about aircraft in competitive games? In every single competitive game I've played, save one on Inferno, I've not had the opportunity to command an air unit, nor make use of an air asset. The most I got to do was scouting operations and a very cheap, like, free asset on Inferno. Invictus, do you have any experience with uh, aircraft on, in uh, a competitive match? The most interesting thing about aircraft in competitive is... All the aircraft you would use in pubs, um, basically the ones that have the most damage the quickest, are not going to be the ones you use in competitive because they're too risky. The thing about competitive is that everyone's going to shoot at you. They're going to stop what they're doing and they're going to shoot at you. Because most of the time, um, they're, if they're engaging, if the enemy's engaging at all, they're going to be doing it from safety at range. So they're going to take the time to stop what they're doing while in cover and just look up and shoot you. Something that really doesn't happen all that much in pubs because everyone's worried about all sorts of things. So in order to succeed in competitive, you really have to take the extreme range ones that have a lot of burst damage and a lot of range, but terrible DPS. So you basically just have to poke things down very slowly. So there are, some, there are several variants that I almost never take in pubs, but are actually the best to choose in competitive, so... If you're wondering why those exist, that's why they exist. Yeah, some of those, uh, some of those variants, I've noticed that uh, in competitive, they're really only good once your team has engaged, and, even, and then you're... It's just so much of a liability, because in a lot of the rule sets that we've played with, I think the current rule for Chaos March, is that um, aircraft do not count as a carrying asset, and so if the game times out, it doesn't count for the number of surviving assets on your team, and it's much easier to lose the game. If, they, if the enemy sees you have an aircraft, they might just avoid conflict altogether. 
I believe there's a uh, a rule vote that's supposed to go through fairly soon uh, that'll help fix that. I don't remember the particulars, and Duelist isn't here to comment. So. Um, also in competitive, uh, I found that even long-range stuff, like I was trying to use some uh, ERPPCs, when you're coming in, unless you're coming in at a very shallow angle, you're probably not going to be able to get a shot off at range. If you're dropping from straight above, sure, that makes it hard for them to shoot back at you while you're coming in. But once you fired that, like, a, for example, ERPPC, you fire it at 900 meters or 850, whenever it is that you actually get your... Uh, your crosshairs right on them, and you fire. Uh, by the time you've been able to turn up and pull away, uh, oh boy, like missile, they, missile, missile. Yeah, you're going to be getting swarmed by missiles, bombarded by even medium lasers at that point. Because getting an ERPPC shot and pulling away, you're probably going to be within 700 meters or less. Uh, by the time you actually manage to pull away, and so it is just painful. Um, I found that approaching from a shallow angle where I'm going slower, taking a shot and then peeling away usually works better. Unfortunately, it allows them to lock on better with missiles and allows them to uh, get more direct fire like with Ultra Auto Cannon 2s and or even with uh, ATMs and stuff. It gives them a little bit better... Or, sorry, ER, ER ATMs. Uh, but it gives them a better chance to hit you on the initial, but gives them less of a chance to hit you uh, when you're leaving. And uh, when you're at such a low elevation, it's easier to get behind cover. Imagine that, getting behind cover with an aircraft. Terrain is gone. I also noticed that uh, there are fewer variants available that are good at poking from what there used to be. And it's not because of the changes in the variants, it's because of the changes in the flight model. That in the way some of the weapons work, since the Gauls have charged time, they're not the god weapons they used to be. Light Gauls don't have charge, do they? Not anymore, correct. They actually fire faster than the ground variants now. This was mostly done to make the Hawk Moth Prime not terrible. It's a little less terrible, but it's still kind of bad. And what does the Hawk Moth Prime have? Just one Light Gauls. And... Bap and two tons free, I think. Nothing else? Just just a light cost. And that's what it was in CBT. Wow. The couple of times I've actually used it with success, it's actually as anti-air. Because it adds up pretty quick if you can hit with it, since it has good modifiers. But against ground stuff, even against the Hephaestus, you just have to shoot something for hours. Uh, Shivaxi, did you have any other comments on aircraft? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, oh, yeah, one thing I didn't mention is that aircraft are excellent scouts. It's kind of hard to do visual scouting with them, because there's no free cockpit look, and it means you have to point down at some point to look. Uh, and there was an older flight model uh, that was in the alpha build, one of the alpha builds, that in order to find my target visually before shooting at them, it took so long that I couldn't pull up and I'd end up crashing before I could actually find my target. Uh, yeah. But thankfully we don't have that flight model and we have a flight model that actually works. So ballooning way up in the air, pointing down, looking around, that works. But more so than that, the best part about aircraft and their scouting capabilities is radar. Uh, Invictus, you mind uh, telling us something about that? Well, it used to be that um, aircraft just used the same system ground radar did, which was usually about 1,000 max for detection, and then 300 if it was passive. Um, the problem with that was is that if you went passive, um, you could not be seen until you were 300 meters away from a ground target, and in the air, that is really close. You could hear the engine at that range. Um, so people could just take stuff like dual Gauss aircraft, balloon 900 meters up, fire, you'd never know they were there. Um, so what we did is that we increased their detection and their detectability up to about 1,500. 
So as an aircraft, you can really spot ground targets more. And being on the ground, you're almost always going to be able to see an aircraft unless... If an aircraft is a threat to you, you'll be able to see it, basically. Because even if he's passive, the max passive detectability is, is 1,000 meters. And there's really only like one or two weapons in the game that they have that's going to go beyond that. Probably just the Light Goss and the Hag. So if they're within range to hit you, you will see them on radar, despite if they have GCM or passive or whatever. And that was important because after we ran some tests, it got to the point to where I remember I ran a test with you, Kentex, um, and we were on clear cut. And you were in a part of it. I was in a, a Corsair, I think, and we just couldn't find each other with the old yeah. system. I think there were clouds in the way, and we just spent about five minutes just trying to find each other after every single pass. Because the radar on both ends was just so poor, so we decided to fix that. Um, one of the byproducts of that is that since the, it was so, um, particularly ASF radar is so good, we decided to take C3 off of all fixed-wing aircraft. Um, it's still on a couple special scout VTOLs, since that's kind of their purpose. But for aircraft, I did take them off, and there really is no plan of adding it, yeah, adding it back in. At any point. Um, and uh, what about battle armor and the radar from aircraft? Yeah, that is true. Um, since the battle armor actually use a different detection system, um, aircraft cannot detect battle armor. So if you see a VTOL trying to cap a base, um, even if he kills you, uh, just go ahead and respawn and be a battle armor. Battle armor, uh, particularly streak SRMs, those two little SRMs do a ton of damage to the VTOLs due to modifiers. And they can't see you. Even if you're like right on top of them, they will not see you on radar. They're going to have to spot you visually, which from the air is really hard to do. So the only way they're going to ever see you on radar is if a ground asset with C3 sees you and then they'll just relay it to them. So as a tip, if you want to keep a VTOL from capping something, just B is a BA, he can't see you. It's a total pain to kill a BA. And if they actually do land, uh, those uh, fire grenades are really good against aircraft. Yes, as a piece of trivia, the flamers, anything that uses heat or flames, um, do extreme damage to aircraft because they actually do a ton of damage to ground stuff, but there's modifiers that make them do almost no damage. Uh, those modifiers were never given to aircraft because it was thought, well, they're never going to be in range to use it. So if for, if for some silly reason they are in range, just go ahead and toast them and they should take really heavy damage. So I've noticed that um, aircraft don't seem to take location-specific damage quite the same way as mechs and uh, tanks do. Tanks lose their turret mobility when their turret's destroyed. They lose their ability to drive forward as quickly when their rear is destroyed. Mechs uh, lose the same when their legs are destroyed or their uh, back armor is destroyed. And of course, if they lose their arms, they lose their weapons on that. Are there any like location-specific damage things with aircraft other than their engine? Because I know you take out the engine and they cease to function completely. Their weapons are disabled and everything. Uh, is there anything right now other than that that works in-game? I will say if both wings are destroyed, um, you can't take off again. So if you land, you will not get the lift to be able to take off. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's good. Basically, um... You I mean, just... I, well, I don't, I don't know actually if it would be even that bad of a balancing issue because even when I fly planes or when I'm watching other planes get shot and shit, I rarely see the wings get taken off. They seem to be hard to hit you know, versus like the actual body of the plane, which seems to go first mostly. Yes, I've actually decided so. to nerf the HP on the armor for aircraft and then right. go ahead and balance that out by just moving um, all the HP to the body. So right now... Um, they will have the same HP in the body that they do now. However, right. all the other parts will have less HP. So right, that way right, they'll right. actually maybe get destroyed. Because, yeah, I'm, 
I agree. It's very rare to actually lose a part before you die from body damage. Yeah. So I mean, actually, even the idea of having your wing get blown off and it makes you spiral, you know, ace pilots to your death, that could actually be cool and maybe viable. Something maybe to test out. And actually part of the reason for that is is that there's a ton of modifiers that transfer to the body well before the parts are destroyed. Right, right, right. And I've right. kind of cleaned that up to where... They'll transfer more once they're damaged and destroyed, but they won't transfer as early as they do now. Alright, well, that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about for now with aircraft. So we'll say in the next patch, um, we are planning to finish up the aircraft, so add in the last one that we still need. The, um, the Rosalka. So, Cesar, you're modeling that? Yes, I'm modeling that. Rosalka is somewhat different than the other uh, models. Um, <laughs> I must confess, I'm not uh, so much in planes uh, in the game and <laughs> in the modeling, but I think uh, it uh, would uh, uh, look right when it's done. Yeah, I've seen how the uh, the concept artists and and your um, and your work. It has had many different iterations yes. <laughs> for the Rosalka. I started uh, two times on it, uh, <laughs> completely more or less. But I think um, it uh, now it's uh, going um, <laughs> to get finished in a. In a for the able time. So what was it that made you start the Rosalka over? Um, the problem was um, I did um, uh, um, hull and I did uh, the wing and then I um, uh, looked at both and I um, think it don't look like the Art or the model, and the second thing was that um, Daimos gave me some shots of the model of the miniature um, of the lead model, and there were some um, details which I don't um, add uh, first because the TRO um, art is only from one a. a angle and it's not enough to do in this um, case the uh, back of the plane. Right, so for the um, 3D aspects of the plane, are you having to take a look at the like tabletop model and stuff? Yes. <laughs> or at least um, at least um, pictures of the tabletop model the problem TIO art is um, sometimes misleading. Uh, look at the role picture in the TIO in the old yes. Uh, there's only one picture in uh, in the manual, and you don't know how this front look if you <laughs> if you look at the art. There are some a angels um, um, who don't look uh, right. <laughs> you said you were working on, uh, you've worked on hovercraft. Yes, I started with the hovercraft. I, I started with the hovercraft for the game. Um, I worked first um, to try the program on the Badger tank, but it was only for me to get the. <laughs> gets the technique down. The problem was uh, when um, I started, no, uh, none of the uh, artists so far had time for doing regulator. Um, and um, I think uh, in this time we don't have fast, medium or heavy assets for inner sphere not much only a, a, a very few and 
That was one of the causes I want the regulator in the game because it's a fast, medium, inner sphere asset. But they are lacking so far. Uh, they lacked this time. <laughs> and in this time, some people um, on the, not on the uh, developer Discord, but of the general Discord began to um, do Blender, uh, try Blender, and one of these people, I don't remember the name sadly, and I don't find it, uh, you know, no Discord, you don't find uh, old things very well, um, who it was, um, gave me the trick um, how to extract um, assets from uh, the object file. So I have a very good scale, uh, scaling measures. And so I started just with the regulator and after a very long time because I was still learning, it was done. <laughs> I love the regulator. Yes, it's, uh, We'll say about the regulator is that it in the next patch, it will be much tougher. Um, it was unintentionally made squishy. Um, there were some questions about how good it would be when we initially built it, because even though it's five tons heavier than the Epona, um, in Battletech, there's a kind of a weird weak spot in the rules to where if you go from a 45-tonner to a 50-tonner in a hovercraft, you don't really gain much at all. So even though you're using a bigger engine, I mean, you pretty much go the same speed, and you don't really get much out of it because it just eats up all the tonnage. Um, so I went ahead and made sure that the regulator wouldn't be quote-unquote too good compared. Um, I really over-nerfed it, and I think it just dies horribly when you look at it right now. Um, so both the regulator and the opponent in next batch should be much, much tougher now, um, particularly if you're trying to kill it through the front of the turret. I saw somebody using the regulator with the three ER large lasers uh, on Stone Rose recently, and they were doing um, amazing work. <laughs> they just about took out a whole Hewitt without taking more than 25% damage themselves. Yeah, that probably has the highest alpha of all of them. I just... I kind of prefer the Prime... Because well, highest alpha at range, right? Not because the MRM forty one probably has the highest alpha. Well, maybe I, won't, I almost don't count that as alpha because it's just it's such a different way of doing damage because it's all spread out. Yeah, but I almost prefer the prime because after the you know second or third shot, you basically have to disengage, whereas the prime can just shoot, go on and shoot forever, not have to stop. But it's really hard to use for some reason. So I was looking back over some of the history of stuff you've worked on, Chezar, and uh, I see you were making a, a mock-up of the Goblin. Yes, uh, Goblin. Um, will some, uh, when I got the uh, Rosalka done, I will um, finish the Goblin. The Goblin is um, to 80% percent done, I think. Um, it um, the only problem is uh, to fit uh, some of the loadouts there because um, MVLL lasers are big, uh, uh, big weapons, and um, tanks are, uh, should be somewhat small because if they are too big, they are uh, target. <laughs> Yeah, and I will see um, how I can fit the missiles and the lasers on this model. But when it's done, then it's only some um, um, the details have to be added, and then it's done. If any of our listeners remember, um, there's a the harasser used to be much larger, and so the fact that it looks kind of like a Mickey Mouse with its weapon pods sticking up. And how large they are compared to the fuselage of the uh, or the chassis of the uh, harasser. Well, that's because it needed to be sh shrunk down for balance purposes. Because wow, 
was enormous, and any sort of uh, weapon that, like an MRM or uh, LRMs, things like that, anything that hit a wide area would uh, just obliterate it. The second thing with tanks is that you have to uh, get um, gun dis depression in uh, in the with the turret. The gun have to face downward. Um, because you uh, want to go uh, go up uh, incline and shoot over over the hill or <laughs> yeah i had and, that problem yesterday <laughs> yes and that's another thing what's not easy with tanks um besides these um uh, tanks are easy <laughs> besides this uh, things <laughs> So, because uh, most of the time they are um, rectangular. <laughs> so, Invictus, what's the goblin for? Right now, we actually have a secret um, project um, to allow the Hephaestus to carry battle armor and to spawn battle armor. Um, well, it already carries them, right? I mean, yes, battle the, armor. And it forces I them to drop we, their weapons. <laughs> I want to say we took it out a couple patches ago because it wasn't ready. I'm not quite sure I if tried it's it. a live version. No, I, I tried it and it works right now. No, it's it's still just on. That if you do it, you lose your weapons. Yeah. So the the plan is is that the, since in canon, um, the Hephaestus is supposed to be able to carry infantry. And in canon, the Goblin is known as an infantry tank because the point of it really was to carry around infantry. Um, when we release that, um, both of them will be able to carry and spawn battle armor um, up to the mediums. So if we get to a point to where we have heavy battle armor, they'll be able to carry and spawn light battle armor and medium battle armor, but not heavies or assaults. And this was, I think, important because right now you have basically one option, and that is the APC. And no one's going to drive around into a battle with an APC because it's just garbage. Um, they won't be able to respawn ammo for uh, vehicles, but you will be able to buy all weapons as battle armor. So we're planning that a couple patches from now. Probably not the one coming up next month because it won't be ready. But when it's ready, we'll go ahead and release it. I don't foresee any problems with implementing that system. This actually makes me think of a question here about um, how you guys are going to be changing. Uh, well, you know how you're going to be changing the way, like you're not going to be able to hop into mechs anymore uh, with your full... medium battle armor and yeah, and be able to like jump out with weapons and stuff. Will you still be able to jump out with weapons, or no? That's not going to be a thing anymore. Um, we will probably allow you to carry um, some basic weapons. Um, my thinking, with, um, sorry, go on. Because there's just a, you won't be able to have a light battle armor in there, but you'll be able mm -hmm. to have a, the power suit. Um, I believe it's called the Nighthawk. Okay. Um, it's basically just a exosuit. Um, it's kind of small, but it it's going to have to be that which you get into the vehicle with, because in order to just have a literal pilot, basically a squishy, um, right. you, you would be so vulnerable, it wouldn't worth... You would never eject, because it wouldn't be worth it, having th it in the game like that. Yeah. My thinking was, uh, just purely as like maybe a balancing aspect, and I don't know if this would fit in the lore or anything, because I don't know like too much about the lore, especially when it comes to non-mech stuff. Um... But for like the tanks that you say can carry extra infantry and all that, uh, uh, as again as like sort of a balancing thing, you know, tanks generally tend to be. I mean, maybe not the higher up tanks, but tanks generally tend to be weaker than mechs. What if the offset is like you can actually go in and out of tanks with your suits and or better weapons that you know you can hold as an elemental or as your infantry? You know what I mean? So then, if your tank's gonna blow up or something, you jump out, still have a fighting chance as if you know. I was just thinking of like a scenario where it's like a mech versus a tank, and you know you got one pilot in the mech, but maybe you got like three or four guys in the tank, you know, and when the tank jumps out, the four guys. Or when the tank blows up, the four guys jump out and like swarm the mech and you know try to take it down or something. It would just be kind of cool. Uh, I know that right now with the way the eject system works on mechs, uh, it takes a little while for you to get out of the mech. Yeah, and you can either have to power down and jump out, or 
you can eject blowing off your head armor and rocket off into the sky. Right, but and a tank, tank has the advantage over that. You yeah, don't you have jump to out to the side, and you can jump out without powering down, and it's very quick, so you could actually jump out, take a PPC shot, and then jump back in. That Was that ever a thing? I don't remember people doing that, mainly because tanks are usually just one-man pilots, and you're going to use your tank weapons anyway. You know what I mean? But right, if you but start I, making tanks was... have multiple seats for carrying multiple people. I mean, I remember an Atlas dying uh, way back in, like, version point four or five or something. And uh, <laughs> right, right. I remember an Atlas dying, and then the battle armor jumped out with a heavy micro-heavy micro laser, and I was uh-huh. not happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. So, yeah, the Goblin, that, that thing looks pretty cool, and I'm going to put a link in the chat. Oh, boy. Uh, but there he goes. I will... I will also probably put it in the video for this. So who did the Rommel? Um, Eisenwolf started the Rommel. Uh, the lower half of the tank is of Eisenwolf's um, work. And I did the uh, turret. Sweet, I like the way the turret looks. Yes, the, it was so that the turret Eisenwolf did was not um, um, yeah, it was strange. I don't know uh, how it uh, was planned in the first time. And then there were some problems with the model uh, when it got uh, um, imported in uh, another program like Max or or I think um, crisis or things, it uh, got very large, <laughs> really large. It got large uh, as a battle cruiser, <laughs> and so I had to um, rescale it, and I rescaled the the hull and the skirts, and then I uh, did the rest of the model <laughs> new. <laughs> Um, and any idea who's going to be working on the Mithras? Uh, as, um, as now, no one started with the Mithras. The Mithras, I think, the Mithras will only um, difficult, um, the turret will only difficult because you have to um, get the, all the weapons there you want, uh, and uh, it will, will be, be a small model, I think, because it's a small tank, 25 tons, one of, um, uh, like the harasser, <laughs> you have to um, use some skills to get the, the weapons mounted on the model. But uh, um, the original Bias, our 2D artist, did a nice rendition of the Mitras. So we have a good um, good base. Yeah, uh, so there's a whole bunch of really cool uh, concept art for the Mitras, so I'll definitely be sharing that if, uh, if it's okay. And, um, and the Rosalka, I want to... Uh, put up some of the work, uh, like uh, work in progress pictures from that, if that's okay as well. That's fun. Likely yes. the Mithras will have a built-in turret, like the Chevy does, because it's so small that I mean, if you try to fit a large laser on it, it's going to be as big as the turret is. So. <laughs> uh, I remember when the uh, when the Ares was in development and there was the concept art for it. It looked like this badass gigantic tank. But then once it actually got in game and the weapons were put on it and it had to be resized to really fit in the game, oh my gosh, it looked. It, it, I mean, it looks fine now, but it doesn't look nearly as badass. Mm. But the Ares is a, a real good model. It's really, 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 it has it because the, uh, the artist did everything right, you have a, a good impression, you have a good look. It's it's difficult to get this all right. <laughs> yeah, to get the uh, function and form together at the same time. Mm, yes. 
I really like Eris. All right, well, uh, is there anything else that anybody would like to add in regard to, like, models and stuff? Um, we... At this moment, um, I'm planning on redoing the Vulture um, torso, because the one we have is really boxy, big, fat, and ugly. Um, I wanted it to be much more like the canon art, where it's more spindly. Um, I've been working on the model. Um, it's pretty far along now. I found an old... Basically, I built it from the old version of the one that's in-game. Uh, I found an old source file, and so I've just been rebuilding it to make it skinnier and more like the TRO. Um, it's almost done, and then we're going to get someone to texture it. So in the future, not in this patch, but in one of the future patches, you'll probably look for that. I have the same plans for the Thor, but that's going to require an entire rework because the source itself is corrupt. Mm-hmm. The Thor has some interesting prophecies. So, before we call it a day, um, I have a pre-recorded message from me and Duelist about Chaos March. It's a little outdated now since our recording time got pushed back for the rest of the po- this podcast. But, yeah. So here it is. So, Duelist, uh, what's going on with Chaos March these days? Well, hey, Kentax, I'm uh, glad you asked, and uh, thanks for bringing me back on the program. Um, So, in the last two weeks, Planet Scythe, which is a capital world, there's five of those in Chaos March, and they're the most heavily defended planets. Anyway, the capital world Scythe of the... Uh, Scythe faction was captured by the Blakis. Uh, the Scythe team went to recapture it, but in five maps it failed. Uh, this is kind of a repeating process. The Capellans failed in their offensive on Arborist, again in five maps. Scythe then went and battled tall, on planet Tall Trees, trying to get some planets back from the Blakis, who control a good chunk of the map, uh, the board now. But in five maps, they were turned back. Hey, recurring our, in our theme. The Blagus failed in their attack uh, after that on planet Rukba and five maps against the Capellans. Then they go back on Rukba. This time Kentax went to six maps, but since there was a tie on map three Seaport, we had to play on TC Flatlands. It was a good battle, but then the Blagus failed in that attack again. Continuing this incredible streak of planet losses... Uh, in attacks, uh, Takonov got up to a two to nothing lead in their fifth straight turn, trying to capture Planet Takonov, uh, but they ended up losing the next three maps and ended up. So wait, that's that their planet. own. That's their own capital world, isn't it? That's their own capital world, Kentax, and they've been trying to get it so that they have an attack vector. They're kind of stuck in a little pocket. They only have five planets, but none of the other factions seem to want to attack. Uh, so they'll have to keep pushing against there. Then, uh, more recently, Scythe played the first two maps of offense on planet Arborist, but not, uh, but are down 2-1 to one against Blakist. And the situation that's interesting, Kentax, is now that I've got all the planet attacks recorded, it seems that we might be entering another Gambit situation where we might have to throw out these battles from last Sunday, and we might have to enter into a best-of-seven battle between the two attack fleets. This often means bigger battles with fewer restrictions, and when you lose something in a gambit, uh, it gets costly, because unlike in a normal planet defense, Kentax, you end up having to pay for all of the lost assets that you want to replace. Uh, but anyway, Kentax, that's a wrap-up of what we've been doing the past two weekends. Now here with the holidays coming up, uh, this coming weekend, uh, we're going to play... Uh, tomorrow and Sunday if we have enough people, but in past years it's often been really small battles, so if you guys uh, end up seeing me on, uh, we'll be able to play there, but it'll just be some laid-back casual play. Uh, And then two weeks from now, Kentax, on the 29th, 30th, and 31st, we're going to be taking a break from Chaos and just going to be doing some laid-back crazy thing where we mix in as many game modes as we can. If you name it, we're going to try and play it. And then uh, Chaos March will return on the 6th of January for our 
return to full battles. And so the we get a bit of a break here, Kentax, but we'll still be around uh, this weekend a little bit and next weekend especially doing some things. So uh, thanks for the uh, time, Kentax. Is there anything else that you'd like to know? Uh, well, I mean, everything. I want to know everything, but I don't have to. So this will just have to do, right? Yeah. Uh, as always, uh, you can follow along mekmaster.com. There's a video section on there that shows the battles. But uh, past two weekends, uh, OBS hasn't been the greatest to me. So I'll, anybody that can send me some links for videos from the past two weekends, I greatly appreciate it. But uh, other than that, keep up the good work with the podcast, Kentax, and I'll, I'm already subscribed and look forward to hearing the new episode. Thanks. I hope to see you on the battlefield. Yep, see you on the battlefield. This is Duel signing off. Here, I got your outro. Sorry. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for coming, Cesar. Really appreciate oh, your no problem. Your uh, what you had to offer on uh, 3D modeling and that sort of stuff. Um, Invictus, as always, thank you very much for coming. Yep. And Shivaxi, thank you for uh, lightening the mood. And yep. uh, I try. And providing a unique perspective. And Domkek, <laughs> our faithful co-host. Thank you. Yep, thanks for having me. Peace. And this was Returning to Base, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>